KMOX Sports. Young swings and lifts a high fly ball. Billikens win! Billikens win! This is Sports Open Live. It's a grand slam! Touchdown, Kansas City! On America's Sports Voice. Yes! KMOX. Here we go. Welcome in on a Thursday evening. I just had to look at my phone to see what day it was. We do welcome you into the program. It is Sports Open Line, just a one-hour edition. I shouldn't have had to look at my phone to see what day it was because we're done early for Thursday night football, and that generally happens on Thursdays. However, if you're NBC and you have the Thanksgiving Day game, you you brand it as Sunday night football on Thursday it, they do that same thing at the end of the season when the college football season is over and the NFL plays some Saturday games. When it's on NBC, they call it Sunday Night Football on a Saturday. It doesn't make any sense. They're just trying to keep the brand going. But nonetheless, I can report, sources can confirm that it is indeed Thursday as we welcome you in. If you want to join us, you can do so. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me as well. At Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. One hour show. Good Thursday nighter tonight. The Bills and the Patriots. I didn't totally realize this. The Patriots are the last place team in the AFC East with an above 500 record. Like They're, they're not a good team, but they're not a they're not a bad team by any stretch of the mind. That division is good. Dolphins and Bills are eight and three. Jets are, uh, are seven and four, and then the Patriots come in at six and five. There was the news story yesterday that there's a possibility that Tom Brady could return to the Patriots next season if they give him a guarantee of more than one year, and if they also uh, guarantee him of some players uh, actually being part of the team that can help win because that was part of the problem when he was there before. He wasn't exactly super happy with uh, some of the pieces that they had, and he kept taking less and less money to stay in New England, and they kept not really doing much from an offensive standpoint. Uh, 314-436-7900, that's how you call. Let's start with SLU basketball. What a win yesterday. They get the win against uh, Tennessee State. I say what a win. It's not really so much what a win. It's more like what an individual performance yesterday from Yuri Collins. 20 assists as he breaks his own single-game record. He has just one turnover as well. Uh, It was really an impressive performance yesterday, and everybody was talking about it. Let's start with the post-game comments of uh, radio analyst Earl Austin Jr. I've been watching college basketball all my life. and like We talked about best point guard in the country, but I've seen some. I watched Magic Johnson pass the basketball at Michigan State when I was a teenager. I watched Jason Kidd pass the basketball. Sean Livingston at high school passed the basketball. He is at that level when it comes to passing the basketball. Yeah, he was yesterday. He got his uh, 20th assist. Terrence gets it into a Coro out high, now to Collins on the perimeter. Waiting, wants a cutter. It's Parker in deep, high off the window. Yes! Number 20 in a career high. Look at the bench. Number 20 in a career high assist for Yuri Collins. What a finish by Parker. Now you can get Yuri out of there now. Now Griffin for three, no good. Long rebound to Parker. Crowd loves it. On their feet throughout Schaefer's Arena. <laughs> Bob Ramsey, Earl Austin Jr., as you heard right here on KMOX last night. Just really impressive. Really impressive all the way around uh, that he was able to get those tw- 20 assists and one turnover. 
Uh, and the fact that he can go out and do so many different things on any given night, if you need him to score, he can score. He didn't need to score last night. He was the master facilitator, although he did grab some rebounds last night as well. Uh, but, I mean, 20 assists, it's just, I keep saying that over and over and over. If you, don't, if you don't see it, if you don't hear it, you almost don't believe that it's happening. And it was something. Javon Pickett talked about it. Uh, it's great. You know, he's able to get downhill um, and then find you. All you got to do is cut. He's going to make the pass. Uh, he makes the right play all the time. So it's just great to be able to play with him. He spaces the floor out for everybody. So, you know, I'm having fun with playing with him. Coach uh, Travis Ford spent some time talking with Rammer and Earl after the game and talked about just uh, the impact of Collins at passing. He made yep. seven to eight passes tonight, that, <laughs> and I've seen him play for four years, that I was like, wow, not one or two, not one yeah. or two. But to your point, Earl, He's probably higher than them in even passing because he yes. not, doesn't just do it once or twice. No. <laughs> he does it Keeps doing over it. like passes. Like, where did that come from? Where did he, how did he see that? Yeah, he went on to talk about just about the impact that Collins has when uh, he's able to impact so many others and help so many others score. You know, Gibson's always known it. Gibson understands. Like, I need to move. I need to cut. Now you got Javon and those guys starting to, oh, shoot, if I'll run, if I'll cut, I might be, I might get rewarded. And he's going to find you. He is going to find you and make it easy for you. He's going to not just find you. He's going to make it easy for you. Usually leads to a wide open, completely wide open three or completely wide open layup. And, yeah, you know, he and he did it, you know, 20 with one turnover. One. <laughs> one turnover. One. one turnover. It was something. Slew's going to get back at it on Saturday. They're going to take on uh, Southern Illinois, a pretty good Southern Illinois team. Yesterday, uh, they went to Evansville, opened up Valley play. They got an 80-53 to win also yesterday in the Valley. Missouri State won in Chicago against UIC, 66-51. First Missouri Valley Conference game yesterday for UIC as they have just uh, come into the league, coming in from the Horizon League, and uh, Missouri State gets a, a good win there. So uh, all the way around, that was uh, that was quite the performance for SLU yesterday. Again, they'll match up on Saturday against Southern Illinois. That's going to be a 3 o'clock start. That means our coverage right here on KMOX is going to begin a little bit after 2.45. We're not that far out from them opening up league play. So they'll go through the month of December, one more month of non-league play, and a lot of games that are winnable, a lot of games that they should win as they continue to put together the best possible resume going into conference play. Southern Illinois, they'll travel to Iona. That's not an easy game. It's a game they should win, but that's a that's a pretty good uh, Iona team. Then uh, they're home against Boise, they're home against Drake, and they're home against SIUE. That will take them into uh, a bit of a Christmas break, and then they are going to uh, open up league play at St. Joseph's, and uh, they're going to do that uh, on New Year's Eve day. That's going to be on December 31st. That's scheduled for a noon start. All right, when we come back, we are going to uh, shift gears and we're going to talk some baseball. As uh, Scott Miller is set to uh, join us, he is a longtime baseball writer, has been based in uh, San Diego for many years, contributes to uh, the New York Times, one of my favorite baseball guys to talk to. He joins us coming up in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. News Radio KMOX, the home of the Cardinals. Open Line does continue here on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley, 314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900. We are efforting Scott Miller. Hope to have him 
on the program in the next moment or so. Some baseball news today. It is being reported that Wilson Contreras has met with the Cardinals, according uh, to Mike Rodriguez, who is a uh, former uh, analyst for the Cubs in Spanish. Uh, He tweeted out that uh, Wilson Contreras met last night with the Cardinals in Florida, said it was a very productive meeting. Uh, Up next, a meeting with the Astros. Right now, just kind of reading between the lines on everything that's out there on social media, it feels like possibly uh, the Astros might be the team that have the inside track uh, on a uh, on a Wilson Contreras. But yeah, you uh, he's at least reportedly had some informal conversations now with the Cardinals. Bob Nightingale threw out the idea that you might see a swap of catchers where the Cubs could potentially bring in uh, former Astros catcher Christian Vasquez and potentially uh, the Astros could bring in Wilson Contreras. We'll just have to wait and see. More of these conversations are going to be taking place uh, next week at the Winter Meetings. We'll be doing this show live from San Diego for the Winter Meetings coming up on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Right now, speaking of San Diego, we're very happy to uh, welcome in a guy who currently contributes to the New York Times, longtime baseball writer, great guy to talk baseball with. So that's exactly what we're going to do. And Scott Miller joins us. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott Miller BBL. Scott, thank you so much for your time. How are you? Hey, Matt. Good. How are you? Doing good. Wanted Before we get anything else, just wanted to get your thoughts. Some sad news uh, we found out today. Baseball Hall of Famer, two-time Cy Young Award winner, uh, Gaylord Perry, uh, first to win the Cy Young Award in both leagues. Did it with Cleveland in 72, San Diego in 1978. Uh, he, he passed away today at, at the age of 84. Somebody who had a big impact on baseball. You think about uh, the the spitball and what he did. I guess just general thoughts on his passing and what he meant to the game. Yeah, just a big, big, uh, uh, you know, big loss. Anytime you lose a Hall of Famer, you know, there just aren't that many living Hall of Famers or to, to go around, you know. I mean, and 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 they have a special place in the game, a special place in history, a special place in our memories um and from that perspective it's just uh you know it's uh it's it's sad to to lose one and it just makes you have to you know you have to appreciate um you know the hall of famers that are still with us even that much more it's interesting because he threw the spitball and then it was outlawed and then he did, th- you know, he tried to figure out ways to, uh, you know, doctor the baseball a little bit more after that. And you apply that to today's game where over the last couple of years they've tried real hard to stop pitchers from, from doctoring the baseball. I guess it's a good lesson that uh, everything kind of comes back around again in the game. Yeah, yeah, the sticky stuff, right? Yeah. The proverbial sticky, sticky stuff. If if uh, Gaylord Perry was pitching today and he had to pass that, uh, you know, what what, what we kind of semi-jokingly refer to as the uh, TSA checkpoint kind of baseball's version, the umpire standing there waiting for the pitchers to come off the field, uh, you wonder how many uh, green lights Gaylord Perry would have <laughs> had going off the field and how many ejections he might have had. Yeah, he was he he got away with it. Uh, admitted in later life that yeah, as everybody suspected, he threw a spitball. But you know, I mean, it was from you know the time when when baseball was more as much entertainment as business. Now it's still entertainment, but as we know, it's become way, way, way more corporate. Um, you know, it's also interesting too that he passes away 
um, you know, a few days before on Sunday, the the latest itineration of the of the uh, you know the whatever they call it, but it's basically the veter- another veterans committee at the Hall of Fame will consider guys who have played since 1980, and so there are 16 there are a handful of players on the ballot, and so. You know, just after they dropped off the writers' ballot, we're gonna the, the veterans committee now is gonna take a look at Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, and you know, I know a lot of people that support those guys say, hey, guys like Gaylord Perry cheated early on, and 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 you know, some people don't draw a difference. I do. I mean, you know, uh, when guys were throwing spitballs or, or whatever they weren't changing the record books to comic proportions like steroids did um but you know it, it's all relative i suppose and it's it's just i i did think of that today i found it interesting that that um you know gaylord perry passes uh a guy known for cheating um you know within what's say thursday four days thursday friday saturday sunday of of when we're going to find out at eight o'clock eastern on sunday night whether the Veterans Committee will allow a guy like Bonds into the Hall of Fame. Do you get? I have my doubts about it happening this year, but do you feel like that Veterans Committee long-term might start to soften a bit and eventually we will see a lot of these guys who are connected with steroids finding their way to Cooperstown? I think eventually maybe, but I'll tell you what, talking to the even younger Hall of Famers like Chipper Jones, you know, I mean, he's been very outspoken. Um, against steroid guys and against cheating in the game. And I, I don't think – I think the, the veterans committee types are going to be every bit as hard, if not harder, on, on the steroid guys as the Baseball Writers Association has been. So I don't see it changing anytime soon. I, I think the only way is if, you know, there has to be, you know, the, the, the really young group of Hall of Famers like a – you know, the Pudge Rodriguez's and the David Ortiz's as they get older and then younger Hall of Famers come in behind them. I think that's the only way that uh, that's the only way that we're going to uh, that there's going to be a softening on on the, the steroid guys. We're kind of at a weird spot because we know how much baseball is changing right now. And I was thinking about this the other day because Jeff Bagwell spoke and he kind of took some shots at uh, the way the Astros have run things and specifically their former GM, James Click. And it, it wasn't that long ago that Bagwell was playing, but in the same time, it was it was ages ago just in terms of the way the game was played then compared to the way the game is played now. Yeah, that is exactly right. I mean, it's it's funny. You know, I, I mean, I don't think it's ever going to turn back to the old school day. I mean, I, I think maybe we're going to reach a point where there's going to be, um, you know, some uh, maybe a little bit more balance, happy medium balance between uh, the old school and the new school. But, you know, and I, the reason I say that, I mean, it's interesting in the last two years, um, you know, we've seen the New York Mets bring Buck Showalter back into the game as a manager, and, and, and he had such great success last year. Uh, Tony La Russa to the White Sox didn't work out quite so much, but Dusty Baker wins a World Series. Texas hires Bruce Bochy this year after Boach uh, had a couple-year hiatus. Um, I, I think it's interesting in that clubs, I think, are kind of swinging a little bit away from – you know, the pendulum swings, right? It's it's all the way to the left is the old school, then all the way to the right is the new school. 
And it seems like he's coming back a little bit from all the way to the right, just in terms of some personnel decisions, as I referenced, Dusty Baker, Bruce Bochy, some of the older managers. But um, that said, I mean, I, I mean, there's enough resources and manpower poured into analytics and there's so much good about anal- uh, certain segments of analytics that, you know, I, I, I don't see that's ever going to go away. I, I think the best, you know, to me, it's, it's, it remains the best mix is when you can, you know, really use hardcore analytics, but then bring them into the, you know, give the old, some of the old school baseball guys uh, that are not closed minded all that information. And my goodness, I think you could, uh, you could rule the world. Yeah, uh, we'll continue to be joined by Scott Miller here on Sports Open Line. A couple more things for him. Winter meetings coming up next week. It feels like already the off season is moving a little bit quicker than say the uh, the last off seasons prior to uh, COVID. What are your expectations during the winter meetings? Could this be kind of that that old school feel where there's a lot of moves to be made? You know, I I, I hope so. Um, be, simply because. You know, I've covered this is I've lost count. It's got going to be 23, 24 winter meetings for me. And I mean, when there's stuff happening as there used to be, you know, especially in the, you know, early two thousands, nineties, early two thousands. I mean, when there's trades and free agent signings, I think it's great for the game. Baseball resumes its place on the front pages in December of the front pages of the nation. And I think it, it just, all the frenzy when there's a frenzy around the game, around player transactions, it, it's, it's, it, it excites people. It excites baseball fans. It excites casual fans who maybe wouldn't be paying attention to baseball. Otherwise, conversely, when you're at the winter meetings and you got three or four days of nothing but rumors and nothing happens and you're in that hotel, you know, you go downstairs by eight or nine in the morning and then nothing happens, so you have lunch. And then between lunch and dinner, nothing happens. And then you keep waiting all night. And it's just—it's no good for anybody. Yeah. And um, I wish baseball would figure out a way in its offseason to, to put all the offseason business into—you know, like I'm not an expert on the NBA or NFL, but I do know the NBA seems to get its business done pretty quickly. And I wish baseball could figure it out so that. Everybody has their rosters in, in their business done. So, you know, say by the end of the year, put some pressure points in there, some some deadlines, and you know, let's have a flurry in November and December, and, and the momentum from the World Series would continue through the winter, and then we'd get through the holidays, and it'd be January, and everybody could, would be. I can't wait to go to spring training, and all business is done. I think that would be the best for the sport. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know how you do it though. The, the NBA has the salary cap, so there's an X amount of dollars to be spent. So guys yep. are, you know, they're they're not holding out for more money. They get a contract offer, and they know that if they don't take it, somebody else might get that money. Without a salary cap in baseball, I just I don't know what baseball can do to force it. No, and 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 without a salary cap, so many teams you know are looking for deals and don't want to spend money, and and then that makes the teams that do want to spend money go slower because there's no pressure points on them, um, and it just moves at such a snail's pace. And um, you, you know, you're right. Without a salary cap, that'd be the answer. But we've been there, done that with many labor talks with players union and we know that that's not coming anytime soon so um 
I don't know. It's going to have to take some really creative minds to figure it out. But um, it, it, it's it's yeah. So back to your original question, I hope maybe there's some impetus for some some actions uh, next week in San Diego. I don't know. You know, I mean, the Aaron Judge talks. It doesn't seem like he from his comments back last month. It doesn't seem. Like he's interested in dragging this out. He'd like some kind of an answer, um, you know, but then things take on a life of their own. Right now it looks like the Yankees and Giants are interested in him, but, you know, th- th- there's a chance the Dodgers could move Mookie Betts to second base and then jump in on Judge. And if other teams jump in, that'll slow things down. But I, I also would hope these are the first winter meetings since 2019. 2020, they were canceled because of the COVID. 2021, they were canceled. Um, uh, you know, because of the lockout last year. So I would hope maybe the fact that there's been two dead years, I would hope maybe executives are going to arrive eager to get things done, aggressive to get things done, you know, um, after being, you know, maybe I think even executives that run the game are, are tired like the rest of us of, of like two or three sluggish winters in a row. Absolutely. Scott Miller, you can uh, read him in the New York Times. You also can hear him on MLB Network Radio. He's part of their team. Follow him on Twitter at ScottMillerBBL. Scott, always love talking baseball with you. Hopefully we can do this again real soon. Sounds good, man. Take care. And uh, for both of our sakes, all of our sakes, let's hope a lot happens in San Diego next week. Yeah. And we'll see what catchers the Cardinals end up with. Yeah, that's the big question. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thank you. Scott Miller joining us here on the program. 314-436-7900. 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can also tweet at me. Don has been very patient. Let's go ahead and uh, talk with him. Hey, Don, you're on Sports Open Line. How's it going, Matt? Uh, I, want, I want to talk about this ownership. Uh, you know, the Cardinal fans here in the city of St. Louis are really frustrated with Mosellock and DeWitt because they don't really spend any money. And maybe you can give me an opinion. Are they going to spend money this year, or are they just uh, BSing us, the Cardinal fans here in Cardinal Nation? I think they have to spend money. They openly said that they were going to spend money when the season came to an end. I think uh, they got Nolan Arenado to opt into the contract. I'm sure there were some promises made there. Uh, I think they're going to spend legitimate money. Now, if they don't, and we're coming up on spring training, it's a very different conversation to be had. But, Don, I, th- I think they're going to spend money this offseason. I don't know when they're going to spend it. Hey, there's there's a lot going on. Maybe it's going to happen at the winter meetings. But, yeah, I do think that they're going to uh, raise payroll in a significant kind of way this offseason. I got one more question for you. Are they going to get rid of DeYoung, or are they going to be stuck with him this year? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I th- he's going to go to spring training with the club, I would expect. Thanks. Appreciate the phone call. Uh, barring them makes, making some sort of trade where he's a throw-in, uh, but I mean, he's making enough money that he's probably not going to be a throw-in. I, I think he goes to spring training with the club, and I think he's given uh, an opportunity. Now, the one question is: Does the change in hitting coach does that benefit a Paul DeYoung? Uh, and also, don't forget, DeYoung had really good success at, at AAA this past year. The 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 AAA pitching co- hitting coach is now the assistant hitting coach. I'm the one who's always saying like. Don't overvalue the the impact of a hitting coach, but there are times where a hitting coach can can certainly impact players in a positive way. So that's 
Yeah, if you're looking at the control group and then you're looking at what gets changed, well, what gets changed this year is the hitting coach. Is there any chance uh, that it, that a Turner Ward is going to have uh, that much of a positive impact potentially on a Paul DeYoung? Maybe, maybe not, uh, but I he's going to be, I would be shocked. I would be shocked if he is not uh, in spring. And look, this happens all the time. One last thing on Paul DeYoung, and then, then we'll take a break and we'll talk some blues hockey coming up in just a moment. Guys have bad years. Guys have bad years. Good baseball players, for whatever reason, have bad years. And sometimes they never come out of it, and sometimes it's just that, a bad year, and they bounce out of it. There are tons and tons and tons of examples of guys who, for whatever reason, just didn't put it together one year. Maybe that's Paul DeYoung. We'll find out when they get down to Jupiter. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. This is Sports Open Live on America's Sports Voice. Kansas City KMOX. Sports Open Line does continue. My name is Matt Pauley. Happy for about another uh, 20 minutes or so. We'll get out of here early tonight. We've got Thursday night football. Pretty good one tonight uh, for Thursday night football. The Bills and the Patriots, two above 500 teams, which we don't say that on Thursday night very often. A divisional matchup. Buffalo is a four-point favorite in this game, so it is expected to be a relatively tight game tonight. Also this evening, the Blues are in action. They're back at it. They are going to uh, take on the Carolina Hurricanes. Jordan Bennington expected to make the start in goal. More importantly, center Robert Thomas, who missed the game against Dallas on Monday. He's been able to practice the last few days, and he is going to be back in the lineup tonight against a good Carolina team. They come in with a 12-6-5 score. Head coach Craig Berube, after morning skate today, was asked about what makes Carolina so good. Pressure. I think, you know, they just don't give you any time. Um, you know, they're they're on you quick. They've got good, great, great speed. But they're so aggressive, you know, with their one-on-one play, and they're right on top of you all the time. You just don't have much time. You know, you really have to compete one-on-one against them. you got to win those battles, and then you got to try to get numbers inside of them. And, you know, create some... Some you know some loose pucks and and force them into bad plays a little bit and get your opportunities. But you're definitely going to be in for a battle the whole game. Um, you're not going to have a lot of time to do much. It's got to be quick and you got to you know got to anticipate. And we got to be skating. Uh, but you know in saying that you got to have some patience too. You can't force things against them because you know they're they have great ability to go the other way with their speed and skill up front. So. We got to be smart, but you know you got to be patient too. Like it's you're not going to get a lot of good looks, but when when we do get good looks, we got to capitalize on them. Yeah, they do. And when just talking about this game specifically and uh, the type of game that he is expecting, I think you just seems like you know you're playing every other day now, and you got these stretches where it's three and four a lot, four and six or whatever it is, or you know uh, back to backs. There's a lot of that that goes on, and I think the game is that played at such a high fast level nowadays it's more intense there's no doubt in my mind it's more intense the game is so intense out there there's no room there's no time you got to work you got to skate like the whole game when I played you could cruise around a little bit and you know (laughs) take a couple shifts off here and there the game wasn't as fast and it's you know 
Um, I always say there's contact all the time out there. When I played, I'm, there, that's not the case. There wasn't this contact or, you know, you, you had time, you had a little bit more time out there. You don't have that time now. Yes, it was more physical in, in certain areas when I played, you know, with hitting uh, bigger hits maybe in the fights and things like that. But today's game, it's just it's uh, such a fast uh, competitive game. When they're going through film review at some point, and if somebody maybe doesn't give it, they're all on a shift or two. They should just bring up that audio quote and say, "Coach, you you said it that when you played, you took a shift off every every once in a while." Uh, Baruby was in kind of a, a jovial mood speaking earlier today. Uh, Carolina's coached by Rod Brindamore. Uh, those two guys, uh, Baruby and Brindamore, former teammates. Oh, Roddy, couldn't get him out of the gym or off the bike practice go to the gym go to the weight room bike work 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 nonstop. he's a great pro I, I enjoyed being around him i wasn't with him that long but we played together for a while yeah i got a story i was in training camp and i was on a line with him so i was like actually excited i said roger nielsen put me with rod brindamore on a line you know things are looking up and this guy named Frankie Lewisard, I don't know if you guys remember him. He was a big, tough guy. He was at training camp in the Flyers, and he just killed Roddy in the corner. And I I cross-checked uh, Lassard and had him on the ground, and I was, like, giving it to him a little bit. And I said, don't touch Brindamore again. Well, the next day, Sandy McCarthy and Lassard dropped the gloves twice in the game. It was great fights. So I said, I'm glad he didn't fight me. <laughs> Uh, as far as some individuals that were talked about uh, earlier today, uh, Barubi uh, complimented the way that uh, Callie Rosen's been playing recently. Uh, for me, being more aggressive, you know, I think he's um, way more aggressive in the battles in his own end and, and competing and then just using his feet to get up the ice. You know? and he's really done a good job of jumping past, getting off his check, jumping, getting going up the ice, uh, beating people up the ice, and creating offense that way for us. I know the Blues have liked him for a few years now, but what do you think it is that maybe clicked with him later? I think uh, last year playing in the playoffs, I think give him confidence and understood that he could play in the National Hockey League. And then it's just about, you know, throughout the summer, the work you put in, and then coming here in camp and, and really pushing for a job. And I think he's done that. Ruby also spent some time talking about Brandon Saad. He's never really changed his game. This is what he is. We, you know what you're going to get every night. You know, he's a straight line player. You know, good skater, strong on the puck, um, pretty good details. So that's what you're going to get every night. And, you know, if you put him, you know, you can mix and match and put him on different lines and things like that. And it's, you're going to get the same player. That was Craig Berube speaking with the media earlier today. Blues looking to uh, get things going again. They've lost three of their last four. They're not on one of those long losing streaks that they were on earlier, but they have lost three of their last four, and uh, they're going to play Carolina over at Enterprise Center. I always know there's a Blues game. When I look out the windows, I see the traffic out there, and, uh, yeah, people making their way into uh, the Enterprise Center. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up tonight. We've got uh, Thursday Night Football for you. The Bills, the Patriots, that's a pretty good one. A couple more things to get to, an update on the Antonio Brown situation as well. Ugly situation involving him. We'll explain all of it coming up. This is Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley. It's KMOX.
Just a few minutes left in this short edition of Sports Open Line. Only one hour. We'll get to uh, Thursday Night Football, a football-adjacent story uh, continuing to develop over the last couple hours. Um, Unfortunate story as well. Former NFL wide receiver Antonio Brown, uh, two hours ago, Amy Dash, who is kind of a legal sports reporter, you uh, she's all over the place. Um, she had tweeted out that Antonio Brown is engaged in a standoff with police, that he'd locked himself inside his home, that there was an active arrest warrant for a battery uh, allegation, uh, that police were trying to reason with him using a megaphone, that there are guns in the home. Um, they She had an update about an hour later saying that uh, police have tried to take Brown into custody, have been unable to do so. The alleged domestic incident uh, involved the mother of four of Brown's kids, claims he threw a shoe at her and threatened to shoot her, then kicked her out of the house. He refused to come out when police arrived. From police report, uh, Brown then exited the residence, threw a shoe at the victim, striking her in the ponytail. The victim had no injuries but believed the shoe was meant for her head. The suspect would not open the door or come outside to speak with officers. That's Brown. The suspect also, uh, during this incident, attempted to uh, issue an informal eviction to the victim. Uh, Brown told uh, the victim, so the woman told police, Brown had two guns inside the house. Police tried to speak with Brown. He allegedly locked himself inside the house and uh, allegedly threatened to shoot the woman if she tried to enter again. The police report claims that Brown placed an informal eviction notice on the door as all of this was going on. Um, So there's an arrest warrant. Uh, Tampa police say that there have been some conflicting reports. There was a standoff. Uh, Brown allegedly offered for kids to go back into the house, but not the mother. Uh, According to an ABC affiliate in Tampa, the kids told police that they were scared to go back inside with their dad in this mood. The police department saying that this remains an active investigation. Brown is wanted. Tampa police says there's multiple multiple attempts to take Brown into custody, but to protect the integrity of the investigation, they will not release more information right now. He has been a train wreck for a long time. And he has lived his life in a way where he acted as if the rules didn't apply to him. And really, the rules didn't apply to him because he never faced any real ramifications. And now that there's guns involved, now that there's children involved, now that there's a woman involved, although there have been some women involved in some other things he's been accused of, uh, perhaps there will be some true ramifications. We'll just have to wait and see. Just hope that nothing uh, devastating or anything tragic happens. When we wrapped up the show yesterday, I asked... Sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski, am I a jerk? Am I a bad guy? Because I messed with a, um, I messed with a telemarketer on the phone yesterday for like twenty minutes, and my wife wasn't super happy with me. So we're going to turn the tables now. Is Matt Pajeski a jerk? So I've told you before, I make mistakes. I, I will not run away from the fact that I uh, that I make mistakes every day. As I'm looking at basketball schedules, uh, I go conference by conference by conference. And I was on ESPN.com today, and I brought up the Big Ten scoreboard to see uh, if uh, to check out who was playing tonight. And there's actually no games in the Big Ten tonight, so the ESPN scoreboard automatically jumps to Friday. Instead of showing Thursday and no game, it jumps to Friday, and it's at Illinois playing Maryland. And I just went off that. I said 
a couple times tonight. Illinois is playing Maryland tonight. That's not right. They're playing tomorrow. I got that wrong. Uh, corrections and retractions. I correct the fact that Illinois and Maryland are not playing tonight. They're playing tomorrow. So let's bring you to Matt Pajeski. What does he do? And Matt, how... How like frustrated was I with myself on that mistake? I thought it was going to affect the whole mood of the show. I'm like, hey, we're like live in 30 seconds, and you were still pouting a bit. I was angry. I was yeah. so angry at myself that I screwed that up. I hate making mistakes. I hate making mistakes. I know I make them. We all make them. I made a mistake. It was kind of a dumb mistake. I should have known better. I'm just talking about it right now. Frustrates the living you-know-what out of me. But what do you do, Pajeski? You email me a social media graphic of Illinois basketball's next game being tomorrow. So I'm sitting there beating myself up, all kinds of angry. You don't know what's going on. And you what do you do? You you just you just salt in the wound. You decide you're going to send me an email with the graphic saying that Illinois is playing hey, tomorrow. I'm just trying to be helpful. I'm, I'm reminding you for tomorrow. You were not trying to be helpful. You were <laughs> trying to uh, you were trying to get at me a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. So yesterday love. the question was whether or not I'm a jerk. Tonight the question is whether or not sports producer extra. Maybe I should remove extraordinaire from sports producer extraordinaire Matt Pajeski. Maybe it is just sports producer tonight. Because uh, because you did that, so there's a little behind the scenes look on what's going on here at uh, at Camwalk. So a reminder for you: next week is the baseball winter meetings. We are going to be live there Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We'll come back on uh, Thursday. Uh, but if uh, anything breaks, we'll have it for you. We'll do this show from uh, from uh, the winter meetings. Wednesday uh, begins our uh, Wednesday night uh, Cardinal specials, the countdown to opening day. Uh, Mike Claiborne and myself will have those four shows for you. So uh, that's all going to be uh, coming up next week, and I look forward to being able to bring that your way. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the program. On the way next, we have a Thursday night football. It's a good one tonight. It's the Bills. It's the Patriots. And it's coming up next right here on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. KMOX.